Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of 19. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're currently in lockdown so both Riley and I can't be together today. Um, well in any of our podcasts that we've been doing. But um, the last podcast that uh, Riley did of, uh, with Domi was... I'm almost almost glad I wasn't there because I probably would have been in tears and wouldn't have been able to interview Domi at all. Um, yeah, so been in lockdown, been training, so has Riley as I've um, been in contact with him as well. Um, but I thought since I'm in lockdown, I thought it would be a good opportunity to do a podcast with my father-in-law. We have uh, Rion Graham with us today. For those of you that don't know him, um, he's my father-in-law. He's um, He's got a bit of a history in rugby, like he's had 15 years of coaching. He's played for Croatia Sevens. Uh, he's won two McNamara's and two national titles coaching. Yeah, well, one of them was coach player. And um, he's a husband, a father, and a koro. And um, he's been in the music industry for over... Oh, 250 years, is it? <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah. Rian Graham, welcome. Oh, thank you, Liam. That's a uh, very uh, generous intro there. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not your father-in-law yet, though, bro, because you haven't had the wedding unless it's something you haven't Yeah, I know. I haven't chipped into your bank account yet, have I? <laughs> no. um, do you want to introduce yourself? You'd probably uh, be able to give a bit more of an insight than uh, me. Um, yeah, uh, Always find that, uh, you know, when I hear podcasts or listen to podcasts, when people introduce themselves, it's sort of like, where do you, where do you start? Um, I think you, I think you summed it up. That sounds like, um, that sounds like me, but, um, grew up in, um, grew up in small towns, grew up in Maramurua and, uh, Pocono. Um, uh, so, uh, was lived there for, lived there for a number of years before moving into the big smoke of Pukekohe. Um, <laughs> family of uh, uh, two brothers and two sisters, so um, there was plenty, plenty going on. There was um, with the brothers. There was plenty of, um, of of fighting and and laughs and um, all of those things that brothers do and sisters. So good, good times growing up. Um, yeah, had a pretty good, um, pretty good childhood. Brought up as. Uh, Brought up as Mormons, the Mormon family. So church every Sunday, um, put the tie on, all of that. Um, rugby and sport was a huge part of our lives. So um, always always grew up around that. Uh, went to Pukeko High School um, and stayed here. Stayed here as a, as a local boy. I've done quite a bit of traveling. Been, been lucky enough to do a bit of traveling. But yeah, went to Pukeko High School and we <clears throat> now live here and have the family here, as you know, it's a full house. Um, even uh, especially when we're not in lockdown, there's always pe- plenty of people around. Um, yeah, I've gone on to gone on to coaching and and being part of um, being part of rugby and and sports for um, forever, really. So mm. yeah, there's probably a lot more to it than that, but um, yeah, it's in a nutshell. That's that's me. Yeah, I suppose you're lucky that you moved from Pocono to to Pukie High because um, you met the love of your life there, didn't you? You've you've been together since yeah. you were 15 with Steph, haven't you? Yep, yep, yeah. I remember seeing this um, this pretty hot 
girl in the third form actually when uh, when I was only um, pretty young and uh, thinking oh gee she's she's not too bad uh, ended up um, ended up uh, going around with her as you used to say back in the day and and got married uh, um, you know a few years later so um, yeah Steph and I have been together since um, since school we were actually born in the born in the same hospital four days apart so um, <laughs> yeah we've been together for a little while I suppose and ended up having three uh, three beautiful daughters you were lucky enough to be with one and I am. Um, now four four mokos i know yeah so after meeting steph you had who was your first first kid so um and how old were you so we were uh 20 we were 21 when we got married um, marisa was one when we got married so we were we were 20 when we had marisa uh back then it was it was a bit of a bit of a big deal because um we're pretty well we felt young and uh all of a sudden we got this baby coming along so we grew up pretty quickly all of our mates and friends were around traveling around the world and here we are having a having a baby and made us grow up pretty quick so um yeah we had marisa when um when we were 20 um got married at 21 uh bailey came along five years after marisa and then mia came along five years after bailey so five year gap between between the girls and it's actually worked out to be a really good good way to raise a family i think mm. uh, each one of the girls was able to help help along the way uh, as they were a little bit older uh and i'm um, watching them grow and um and and how they're now raising you know two of them are raising families of their own it's been been pretty good yeah pretty good experience and um you're enjoying you're enjoying the the koro life yeah i love it yeah 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 the koro life is is um is pretty special you get to um oh, we're pretty lucky we're pretty very fortunate that we had uh first of all had three living with us with john and marisa and then um now we've got makai here living here as well and so to be able to spend a lot of time with them in their early stages is, is pretty special and not a lot of people get to do that mm. so yeah really grateful for that yeah well we get to spend more time with each other obviously being in lockdown level four but how has your lockdown been so far have you enjoyed it or has it been a bit of a struggle or uh i think i think you've seen probably seen me have a couple of little uh little moments but um i don't know when you sit down and reflect it's been not too bad really you get to um spend more time with with the people uh with the people you love and and a little bit more time just sort of chilling and relaxing a little bit um but then the downsides are um you know less um connections with other people and and mm -hmm. um that sort of thing so yeah off and on to be honest it's um you know it's good some days and then you wish you weren't in it others so mm. yeah i'm sure a lot i'm sure people are in worse positions than we are we're pretty fortunate to have a reasonable sized bubble um so it's helping yeah. us through i was just saying to i was just saying to rion uh the other day that i know it's the circumstances are different for everyone but when it comes to lockdown i've i've enjoyed it because i've been able to spend more time with Mackay. i've been able to chip away at some skills that i've been learning i've been developing my photoshop skills so Sometimes in in um, times like these, you find opportunities for other things. 
Bro, you've uh, you spoke about um you spoke about rugby earlier on growing up. Um, you grew up with three boys, so obviously rugby was well. It was mainly rugby league, wasn't it? That you guys sort of fell in love with most. Well, tell us about those days. Well, I mean, uh, with the three boys, the sports, any sports, we were always out. It was cricket, rugby, rugby league. Then you get told to come inside and so you carry on playing rugby league on your knees in the hallway, yep. smashing each other. Um, there was always something, there was always, especially if it involved a ball, but um, uh, yeah, we would always find something to do. Um, and I, I guess having th- the three, three brothers, we were able to, I think I was telling you the other day, we were practicing moves and that sort of thing. And um, it was it was mostly rugby, um, but then um, uh, Dad actually started uh, collecting the Rugby League Week magazines every week. And so we started taking a real interest in rugby league. And it almost becoming a thing of the past magazines, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, but we used to go through those magazines and learn all the players, and then we started watching it. The only way really you could watch it then was wait for the weekly um, the weekly highlights to come out at the video store. Go down the video store, get the weekly highlights from the from what was called the Winfield Cup back then. <laughs> and, uh, and then we yeah, and we 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 followed rugby league. There wasn't really any rugby league teams around here to play for. Um, Tuco Tuco Broncos came into into effect. Um, you know, probably around those times, but uh, they weren't huge, weren't a huge club. Plus, mm-hmm. there was no rugby league at school, so you just played rugby. So we watched league and played rugby and um, pretty much still doing that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, a, to a certain degree. Um, so, yeah, big big fans of rugby and league. And we played we played rugby when we were young fellas, uh, you know, junior boys. I think we started playing when we were four, four or five years old, and then we played for Played for Bombay when we moved into Pocono. Bombay Junior Boys, obviously, were were a big, uh, big Junior Boys club then. Um, yeah, and then just just carried on and playing. Played all the way through till I was thirty six, I think. Yeah. Finally, hung the boots up um, somewhere around there. Um, and yeah, I'm still involved in the game now through coaching, obviously. Who were, who were your favourite teams growing up? And oh, players. Who were some of your players that you looked up to? Oh, players. Early, early, early doors, probably. Um, um, early memories. We I used to, well, probably through Dad. He, he used to really like, in terms of rugby, he used to really like the Wallabies. And it was because of the style they played back mm. then. And so you kind of followed, we sort of, well, I sort of followed what, what dad was looking at and, and got sort of hooked into, into that. So the Ella brothers and, and um, you know, David Campisi and those sorts of guys who were playing real attacking rugby back then was real attractive to watch. So um, used to really enjoy that sort of thing. And then um, uh, in, terms of, in terms of rugby league, um, when we first started watching, we, I, I sort of liked the way Manly played. Yeah, there was a couple of guys playing for Manly back in the days, Cliffy Lyons and Crusher Cleal and stuff. And I used to look at those <laughs> those guys and and um, it's funny you still look at some of the ball players going around now and and you know some of them are trying to replicate what those older guys were doing. You know back then, so um, 
they were always exciting to watch. So Manly was my my team and still is my team, uh, NRL. Uh, and uh, yeah, you uh, funny. I I haven't been a staunch supporter of any one rugby team. I just like watching good code. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. If it's exciting, I always try to look for things that, that people are doing that might be new or innovative or, you know, and it doesn't matter which team are doing it. It could be your arch enemies if it's something that looks good. Mm. I, I kind of, you know, get attracted to that. So um, being a halfback growing up, used to like, um, I used to like... Um, Nick Nick Far Jones, yeah, um, Australian halfback. He was um, he was probably the best around at that time. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, you used to admire him. Um, yeah, yeah. So growing up, that's probably who I used to follow and watch. Yeah, were you a, were you a good rugby player growing up? Would you consider yourself talented, or was, or did you sort of have a work hard sort of, and you sort of earned what you got. Yeah, I'm. I, I suppose, I suppose I was. I was good enough to make certain teams, like you know, first fifteen high school, that sort of thing. Which you know, which when you're in the moment, that's a big thing. So mm. you know, felt like a big thing then, and and so I was, you know, proud of being able to do that, and then you know, played premier rugby and and that sort of thing. But oh, I I never considered myself as um, as really talented. I all but I used to pride myself on working hard so always thought that I wasn't the fastest so I didn't have the best step but I thought if I if I was the fittest I might be able to actually you know do something on the field so always just tried to work my ass off and and probably talk probably talked a lot on the field too I suppose you know uh, as a halfback I used to probably not shut up <laughs> Probably a bit like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the best at it. <laughs> Did I you not read that article? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't get the sledging uh, trophy though, mate. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but yeah, I was lucky enough to lucky enough to play some play some pretty um, you know some pretty special sort of uh, games, especially later on. Played for played for Croatia and that. So yeah, I mean. Like I say, I never really thought myself as talented. I used to probably always look at myself and Rob and my, my older brother and always thought that he was blessed with all the talent. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I worked harder sort yeah. of thing, you know. And yeah. I used to, sometimes I used to get pissed off watching Rob play, thinking if he worked if he worked harder, he would go further. Mm. You know, because to me, he was blessed with all this talent. So, um um, but yeah, he he obviously um, he obviously did some pretty pretty good stuff and and um, you know went a fair way with his rugby as well. So uh, you said when you were younger, you used to watch a lot of rugby, and um, I can remember you telling me that you used to watch sevens quite a lot as well, and you used to watch the Hong Kong sevens, and you know thinking how unreal it would be to play there. And um, it was it wasn't until later on in your rugby career, I suppose, your playing days. That you got the opportunity to to really have a nudge at playing into the in the Hong Kong Sevens, didn't you? Do you want to um, tell us about sort of that experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of how it came as well. Yeah, so that so that's right. We used to. I said obviously, um, 
you probably tell from the from saying before the style of rugby I used to like watching, you know, attacking rugby, and so sevens was was uh, something I loved. I just loved playing it. I loved watching it. Um, yeah, we we try to you know um, play every tournament we could. So um, sevens was a big part of of um, what I I loved about rugby, and um, had been playing you know, club sevens and stuff. And it was probably at about 1999, um, uh, a mate of ours who played for um, for Rewa, um, Vukes, he, he said, oh, uh, he's, he had played for Croatia um, in some test matches previously. And he said uh, to Rob and I, hey, um, Croatia are going to be in the Hong Kong sevens and um, they're going to come to New Zealand and train in New Zealand. And they want to know, you know, if anybody's got heritage to come along to training. And and he he had, he knew that our grandfather was from that part of the world. Well, kind of a little bit a little bit ashamed when I look back on it to say we had to actually ask our mother where the granddad was from, the right <laughs> part of the world. So uh, all we knew was that granddad was from um, from Yugoslavia. Um, and um, so we asked mum, hey, where's granddad from? And she said, you know, he's from Croatia. So well, it, we realised then that we would have qualified. So we thought, oh, well, we'll go to training and we'll, we'll see. But never had any, never had any ideas or, or thoughts that we would actually make a, make the teams. But we, we get to the first training and Philip, some of the guys there couldn't even catch and pass a ball. So we came home, we drove home, we was in the North Shore, we were driving home, we looked at each other. Have yeah, they got hands like feet like me? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, and me and Rob looked at each other and we thought, shit, we, we might have a chance to make this team. And um, didn't get ahead of ourselves, but we went along to a few tournaments with them and local tournaments. And 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 um, these guys were, these these guys ended up actually you know to be good players and and could play um and we're having great fun great times with them they're real good people um had some of the best times ever then there came time to name the team and rob was in a little bit of a a bit of a sort of quandary because he had he had gone to a couple of new zealand training camps with titch um previously and so Mm. he was sort of on the verge of making the nz side um, but it never sort of eventuated, and uh, and he injured his knee, and so that kind of sort of fell away. So he thought, oh, I'll give this a crack as well, knowing that once he played for Croatia, he couldn't go back. So that was a big call for him. But we both got named in the team and, and couldn't believe it. The, the next tournament was Hong Kong in 12 weeks. Uh, it was 12 weeks away, and we were, we were going to be going to Hong Kong. I was like, holy shit. Um, so something that I always watched every year, sit up late at night watching mm. Hong Kong Sevens to actually going, flip, we're going to be going there. It was um, yeah, it was massive. Uh, it was it was it was one of those dream come true moments for yeah. for, for us, you know. Uh, and with how much prep? How much prep did you have beforehand? Four weeks. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty much. It was. It all happened pretty quickly. It was about a month. They were probably here for about a month before the team was named, and then, um, and then we went. Uh, yeah, and then we were told, "Hey, um, we, we're going to be going." And I think it might have been about six weeks after we were told we were going to go. 
So I was like, shit. And I'd been training a lot, mm. but I was like, oh, I need, it's hot. this is Hong Kong. I need to be fitter. <laughs> so I went to this guy who actually was the trainer for New Zealand soccer at the time. I, I um, hooked up with him through Doc Patterson at, um, at uh, Essex, uh, Axis Sports Clinic at the time years ago. Uh, John John Lyth, I think his name was, uh, and he gave me this. He gave me this unreal program. I actually still, I actually still give the basis of that to to guys training now because the fitness levels went through the roof within a sh- within a short period of time. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just worked my ass off and trained. I don't know, just you know, probably three four times a day. Just you know, leaving the office. To go to the rugby fields for an hour, coming back to the office, sweaty ass, and all of that. Just, just train, 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 just so I could try and do, you know, try and do my best when I got there. So, and um, yeah, we we ended up going there for two years in a row, '99 and 2000, and and then went to the very first Wellington Sevens, which was 2000. That was an unreal experience, and um, uh, as I say, ne- never thought I'd be able to play there. First game up in 99 was against New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, and we knew a lot of the players from playing against them in tournaments, you know, because the club tournaments back then were pretty big. So every all the big guns were always playing at club tournaments. So we, we sort of knew knew most of the guys anyway. So it was pretty cool coming up against them. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a touchy subject, isn't it? Because, I mean... <laughs> If anyone that's that game's still actually up on YouTube, I mean, I've watched it. A, I've watched it a number of times, um, but they, well, they could have beat New Zealand. They should have beaten New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, should have. It's one of those ones where oh, I'm sure a lot of player. I'm sure a lot of a lot of people have these things where you 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 don't really get over it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, I know, yeah, I know you should and find a way to, but there's just something always there. There's a, there's a great deal of pride when I look back on it. Um, you know what we actually did at that at that whole tournament. What we actually did, well, all the tournaments really. But you know, having New Zealand first up, and you know, taking them to after the bell um, for for them to beat us was you know. Um, was pretty massive but you know we, we were in a position to actually finish it off but that, hey you know you these this these are things you learn you know there was our first mm. first ever hong kong sevens and it's a massive moment we're in that situation you know if i had my time again now i I've, i'm i'm i would be way better equipped yeah what i know now versus the the 29 year old me so i was pretty much an old man at hong kong but 29 and and uh, and hadn't hadn't learned a lot of a lot of things that i do know now so um yeah it was pretty special though i haven't actually asked you this but to see a game against croatia and new zealand you even now you'd say new zealand would smoke them but then what was the team's belief before that game or what was the what was the vibe between the boys before that game that you guys played New Zealand because obviously there was something there that when you guys went out there and you well, you were you guys were ahead of them do you know what I mean so mm, mm. there was there was an ounce of that you guys were thinking that you were going to beat them or I don't know that's what it something yeah. has to be different in that way that you guys were prepping for it because or was there something different I, I think when I, when I look back on it I think I, I think it was the whole 
the whole build up, the way the way the coach um, Anthony um, so much brought the brought the boys together. So he he brought he brought a few guys over from Croatia to come here and live in New Zealand with us. Um, they stayed at people's houses, that sort of thing. But um, when we went away to club tournaments, we, we we went away in a van or cars. We had to sleep together. Um, you know, one one tournament we went down to uh, Taradale, which was a big tournament back in the day. A um, couple of funny stories about about that uh, tournament. But one of them, one of them, we we got there and the, the club said, "Hey, you guys can sleep on the floor in the club rooms." Mm-hmm. And we got there, and they obviously told just about every other team that. <laughs> so we got there. There's there's no space on the floor at all. We're like, oh <laughs> shit, we were gonna sleep. <laughs> so the boys go, they were, hey, hey, it's okay. We sleep in the shed. And we're like, what the fuck, man? Rob are like, hey, sleep in the shed. You go, yeah. So we go into this concrete changing, literally concrete changing shed with the wooden benches, and um, the Croatian boys. Sweet sleep there. There was nothing for them, you know. They they've been, you know, they've seen much harder times than that. Yeah. Um, so all the, all of those sort of things leading up to the tournament, you know, and you build real good connections with with your teammates. And and when the draw came out, and we found out we had New Zealand in our pool, it was called the pool of death. Um, they were writing us off, but the rest of the teams were were strong teams, you know. And we had New Zealand first up. We were excited. We we couldn't wait. But, um, we had played against most of the boys, you know, like um, Dallas Seymour and 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 Rushi and um, Mudji and all of those boys. We we played against them at tournaments. So as I say, we got to know them, and we probably the Kiwi boys had probably knew them before that as well. So this was a chance to actually, you know, beat them. And, yeah, and that's how we approached it. We we weren't losing the game. We we were. We were there. And so the Croatian boys that might have been a bit overawed by it, they 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 took it as a challenge, man. They they just man, they don't step back from anything. They don't care who they're playing against or where they are. They're just gonna give it to you, you know. And mm. that's the attitude they took and um so everybody was everybody was so um because we were so close, it it, it hurt, you know. Um, but we went on and we made the we we went on and we made the made the final of the of the plate or oh, final of the yeah the plate the next one down in in that first year in Hong Kong so um, which was pretty big mm. achievement for a country which is nowhere yeah and rugby at the time especially you know and well and speaking of at the time like just before that the ninety just before the 90s or around the 90s, 80, late late 80s, early 90s, they were going through war, weren't they? Civil war. Yeah, so um, obviously for hundreds of years, long time, but but it did, it kicked off, kicked off again and then around that area, around the mid-90s, around that 95 sort of area. So some of the boys that had come out that came over and joined our team, you know, they've got actual, like actual war stories, you know? I know, that's you, crazy. You know, you you know, we've been in teams where you try to replicate war stories. These boys have got actual war stories. You know, they've they've got stories about their village being being blown up before their eyes and having to run away and escape. You know, being shot. So, um, yeah, mind blowing what what they what they um, what they've been through. And these these 
these guys that um, were part of the team, they, they were kids when that was happening, you know, 12, mm. 13 years old. So, um, yeah, to, to hear all that, I guess, I guess that kind of, I guess that kind of, um, you know, those sorts of things strengthen your, you know, your bond as a team. Well, and add to them as individuals as well, because you said that they don't back down. Yeah. That's obviously, that's had a contribution to it as well, that are never backing down part, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. They're, they're, they're pretty sort of resilient people, that's for sure. That's, put it, that's, that's like, that's, that's an understatement. Mm. Um, but at the same time, lovely people, you know, I've been back there a, a couple of times since and, just the way they look after you is just unreal. You mm. know, they're they're always there for you, and they'll be there for you, you know, for the rest of your life. You know, mm. and so life goes on, and you end up um, you end up uh, coaching, don't you? Played off and on for them over the next few years, actually, and then uh, lucky enough to go back there and, and coach their sevens team a couple of times, um, which again was yeah, great experience. Started coaching properly when when I was at Paddy, still playing, around that sort of two thousand five. Um, yeah, around two thousand five, I, I, I was still playing and and coaching. Me and Craig Carter started coaching the the prem team, and then um, coached coached um, Paddy prems off and on for for you know a number of years now, and and uh, counties coached various counties teams. Um, county sevens for a long time off and on um county's b's development 20s where i first met you <laughs> um and um yeah various other teams coached the red bull sevens teams a couple of years in a row so yeah i had some really good experience coaching uh, i oh, i i love it mm. yeah how did you how did you fall into coaching back in two thousand and five? How did that how did that all come about? Uh, it was probably one of those scenarios where um, you know the, the the club clubs go through this all the time where they get people to coach and they coach for a little while and then they they maybe have enough or or it's time for them to move on for whatever reason and they move on and then they look for another one and it was probably one of those times where they may have been struggling to find somebody and so um you know craig and i put our hand just put our hand up and we were both still playing craig started playing a little bit less i, I was still playing a little bit and then uh, that 2006 i i think i maybe had one or two games but you know really pulled back and, and just concentrated on coaching and it just evolved from there yeah um yeah um and as I say, I'm I'm still I, I'm still loving it, but I'm still learning all the time. I'm you know, always trying to take on new things and and um, uh, not just a not just about the the tech tech stuff, but new things off the field and how I can help um, in in that area as well. So yeah, still still enjoying it. And you experienced success pretty early with coaching, didn't you? Because in 2005, Paddy got promoted to to the top division and then in 2006 they won their first McNamara yes yeah yeah so we ended up I, I think 2000 end of 2004 we might have came up come up and oh, then okay. 2005 we made the final uh the first year uh and and battle first year back in first of we made the final against Pookie mm. and um 
and Pookie, Pookie, that that game were, were just too strong for us. Um, but we were really building something, and then the following year, two thousand six, we yeah we had a had a really good year, and uh, you know there was a lot of firsts for us, and and we ended up winning the comp, and it was the first time, first time for um, Padamaho to ever win the comp, um, oldest club in counties, yeah, third oldest in New Zealand, and the first first comp to ever win, so. That was pretty special, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what it's like. You, uh, you in teams like that, yeah. Same as most teams, but you're friends for life, you know, with, mm. uh, with the guys and, and those special teams. So, yeah, and that was awesome. Who were, who were the big names that were playing then? There was Kane Hanty. Was Kane Hanty around? <laughs> I thought you said big names. Go oh, ahead. okay. <laughs> big legs. Do I mean big legs? Uh, hope you have a hope Weasel has a listen. Um, yeah, Kane Kane was there. Um, so um, in that two thousand that two thousand sixteen, there's um, there was guys like um, actually I think Vanders. I think An- Andy Vander Hayden um, was there. My memories, my memories. Um, shot. I need the photo. Um, <laughs> And but then we got the we got the start of we got the start of of some guys that um, that went on and, and played massive parts in the club guys like Alapini, uh, Olasoni and and Hani and um, uh, boys like that. Uh, then got guys like that had, that kicked on and played a lot of games. Kane Kane was there um, if I uh, remember rightly. Kane may have been the uh, um he he was sort of playing halfback and first five um then so Kane would start at nine mm. move out push out to ten and um JP would uh John Pemberthy would would get subbed and and um then Rob would come into nine and sort of finish the game off sort of thing mm. Jeff Maka played half the season for us before signing with uh, Yamaha and went over to Japan yeah um uh, and then we had a young Mali Saul who ended up um, going to Japan after that year and um, kicking on and playing test matches for Japan mm. um, and having a, a big career um, over there. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm sure the guys won't mind me saying that we 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 had good solid good solid club men that. Yeah. Um, that just did the job week in week out, and that was the best part about that team was was that um, uh, people maybe took us a little bit lightly sometimes, and we just had this massive self belief and mostly built on our defence. Yeah, um, you know, guys like uh, BJ Maloney and Pugsy and those sorts of guys that were just wanted to tackle everything. Yeah, 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 and uh, and just keep standing up, and and those guys are still involved in the club now, so. I remember the final was against Ardmore Maris and they were stacked, stacked with reps, um, stacked with international players yeah. um, and and counties players. So um, most of the uh, predictions were we were going to lose, but yeah, we had a had a had a good win. So um, good to get the first one under the belt. Uh, you've had you've had a, a a bit of a, oh quite a bit of success with teams. You know you've been in a number of finals with sevens as well, and then you've also won the titles, but. I think um, what the the big telling sign is that people look up to you as a coach is that <clears throat> when they say they're gonna, oh, are you gonna be, are you gonna be coaching next year? Okay, I'll be back next year. 
We've got we've got a player at the moment, Troy Hebenethy. He's well, his body's pretty fucked to be honest. It's, <clears throat> he doesn't look after it, but he's got an unreal motor. But his body is giving up on him. But he's he's willing to come back because you're going to be back coaching next year. Why why do you think people you leave that impression on people? Ah, uh, Jesus, I don't know. If I had the answer to that, I'd women. I don't know. I'd try and bottle it up and give it to other people. I suppose. I don't. I don't um, it, it that when I hear that, when when I hear people say that, it actually means a lot to me because. Um, I, I do try to focus on, I do try to focus on, well, I don't even really focus on it. It just seems to happen. Um, being able to build connections with people or, or build relationships with people and, and maintain them. Mm. Um, whether that's in business or or rugby or just general, general life, you know. So when I hear those comments, it actually means a lot to me because um, that's, that's the first thing I, I, I try to um, try to get across, I suppose. Um, and I, I think as a coach, if you as a coach or or you know even leader and um, within an organisation, if you can if you can do that, and you've got the people behind you or with you next to you, I should say. Um, I think that's the first box to tick. Yeah, and a lot of things can a lot of things can roll off that. Um, especially in a team environment. So um, I don't know, I guess I guess individuals would have different reasons why they might want to come back um, or different, you know, because we're all different to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. everybody, you know, relationships are complex things, so we're all we're all different. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's good to hear that. Um, but how it happens... Oh, I'm. I don't know because I'm just trying to be me. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Maybe that's maybe maybe that's part of it. I always feel like the teams that I've been a part of you with is that we always feel like we're playing for something bigger than ourselves, and that's probably part of why you how you get connections and your connections with people, the way we all treat each other in the group and what we're playing for. That all comes together to make us feel like that, and. There's probably some people that are going to listen to this and probably would agree, bro. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, I, I believe as a coach, and again, this has come from learnings over doing it, years of do it, just just being involved and doing it, and and you know picking up on other coaches and listening to certain things. But um, I, I think that's our number one job as a coach. Our number one role is to mold a team together mm. it's it's not to teach somebody how to pass or kick or when to run or whatever that that's that's part of the job but that's down the list for me mm. the number one job for me is to is to mold that team together and you've got to you're always going to have a lot of individuals um and sometimes you don't always get it right sometimes for whatever reason you you, you haven't made the connection or or you know, it might be a time constraint or something, but I, that's what I work hard on is to try to get that right first. Yeah. I, I just think everything else flows off that. Mm. Um, then then you can start on, on the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's funny, eh? It's only just rugby at the end of the day, but I mean, the the feeling that you get of, of being am- amongst a team that's like that, it's pretty unreal, eh? Well, I always put, I, I, I always try to, and I have to remind myself a lot about it, but I always try to put fun at the top of the list. And to do that, if, you, if you've got that, if you've got that feeling or vibe within the team, you know the fun's going to come. Mm. You know it's going to be there. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's because you're comfortable enough to to take the mickey out of each other and have a laugh, or or you you've built something great so that you you you're got the confidence to pull something off on a on a field and then really enjoy that moment. All those things. Um, fun is at the top, and to help get that fun, everybody's got to be gelled together you know mm. so um yeah that's that's what i try to do and i try to put people in place that can help me do that you know yeah and i try and identify the people that are strong at that and and let everything flow off there yeah one of your great connectors i reckon and i've experienced a couple of times with in the team is that you go you will get in a group and you'll you'll go around the circle and you'll ask them what are the two what is the what is the hardest thing you've had to overcome in your life and what are what are the two of the greatest things in your life so i'm going to ask you now what is one of the the toughest things you've had to overcome in your life and the two greatest things that are happening in your life uh geez this changes you know sometimes it changes as things as things go on um I, yeah I, i've had um i've had lots of great things happen you know in terms of in terms of um in terms of rugby it's been lucky enough to be playing at the hong kong sevens for instance you know that sort of thing um being involved in just about every team that i've been coaching you know i have to look back on those moments and say that they're they're awesome mm. family life you know i've got um i've got a incredible wife who supports me and all of that lets me do that you know mm-hmm. um which is which is massive because it's a huge time it's a huge time um sort of it, it t- soaks up a lot of time uh got an awesome family i look at my daughters now and I, as i said earlier looking at how they're raising their families and um the partners they're picking the partners they're picking a couple yeah. of not bad son-in-laws <laughs> had to teach them a few things and kick, get them into line but they get in there <laughs> um you know so no I've, I've too many things to name in terms of good stuff but um just been really lucky been on some unreal family trips and all of that the tough things is um there's there's been um there's been a couple there's 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 been one, there's been one that I I I keep um, pushing back down and uh, haven't I still haven't really brought it to the surface yet. Um, and at some stage, at some stage, I'll I'll be able to deal with that. Um, you know when the time is right. Um, but it was you know um, quite a quite a tough thing to 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 go through at the time. Uh, and then there's uh, one which was um, which was tough because it's tough to see other people suffering because of it. And it's when 2012, when um, uh, when uh, I was coaching Paddy and had a cardiac arrest at training, and um, he had died for 
12 minutes or something. Mm. So, um, so yeah, the boys had to do CPR. Um, your um, um, big Danny, big Danny Hodson was a policeman. He'd done his refresher course that on CPR that day, and he was on the other field. So he he was one of the first on the scene mm. uh, to give me CPR. So that was pretty. Um, it was it was unreal that he that he was there to do that. Um, Darren Troy Abo's old man, you one of your bosses from yep. Troyden. Big shout out to Big Daz. He he was um, helping with the CPR. I think he gave me mouth to mouth. I think he hasn't forgiven me for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Probably had stink breath. <laughs> um, and um, um, and there was other guys in the club. Um, Brett Mewson had the keys to the fire station, which had a defib. Without that, probably wouldn't be here now. So, which is crazy to think, isn't it? Crazy. So all of those things lined up. Um, but, but I, because I don't know any of that, because I don't remember any of that, I had no memory for two weeks, two weeks, my memory was gone. So I still don't remember anything that happened. And so I get told bits and pieces by people. Um, and the the hardest ones is when you get told again or get told for the first time by your, by your wife and your kids, uh, who were there, um, seeing me get stretched into the ambulance dead because they're still working on me. Um, when they're telling me that, and, and it's when the kids are telling me and, and Steph's telling me that, that's when it's hard, you know, or that's when it was hard. So, yeah, went to, went to the hospital, the ambulance stopped, got another two or three shocks on the way. So uh, I was gone. They put me in a coma for a couple of days um, till I came right. Steph was told that, I may not wake up, or if I do, could be vegetable, you know, brain mm. brain dead because it was so long without oxygen. Uh, and then the head went through the whole two weeks of no memory thing uh, when I did when I did come around. Um, and so that yeah that that was that was tough. And then and then for quite a while afterwards, it was. You know, it was it was quite hard. You know, I, I I don't know what depression looks like fully, but you know, I I think there would have been there would have been moments where um, I would have been going through that because mm. um, it's it's weird to have zero zero feelings of emotion. So zero emotions. It, you know, I couldn't feel. Happy, sad, angry, nothing. It, it, it's kind of like a, a flat line. So you're just going through your day, just with in in like a complete sort of daze, or you know, and and nothing, no emotions come through at all. And you didn't want to. I didn't want to work again. I I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to stay at home and sit in my chair and see what would happen um as time went by and i got stronger and and talking to different people and you know i was able to um obviously start thinking straight again like, it, 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 that's what it felt like um and so yeah i was able to get back into it uh, get back into sort of a bit of a normal life and go for walks again and get strong enough to do all that uh and then once i sort of realized or, 
always reminded by people that I shouldn't be here. It's just a completely different way of looking at life, you know. You, you, you hear the old cliches of, um, um, you know, you shouldn't let things worry you, or this, or don't let, don't let it stress you out. There's so many things in life that people worry about that don't matter. They just do not matter. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I'm now now that it's nine years later, I, I have to remind myself because I'm, you know, you life goes on and you sort of slip back into into habits and that sort of thing. But you have to remind yourself. Well, I I have to constantly remind myself that there's so much things that do not matter. Mm. It just you, you, not worth worrying about. You just have to live in the moment. You live in the, live in the moment and don't stress. Don't worry about things that you can't control. And and I know a lot of people talk about that, but that was something that really, really fully understood after that experience. After that, ex- after that, after that happening to me, fully understood, like fully comprehended what it actually means mm. and it's hard to tell people because it feels like just words um but yeah that's something that it was tough but at the same time every time i every time i see that big scar down my chest i, I it reminds me there's so much shit you don't need to worry about just got an awesome life get on with it you know? yeah fuck that's yeah. powerful man <laughs> take you take your opportunities all the all those sorts of things just you know uh, when you when you you know when you see when you see um things like that um yeah just go for it mm. so um when you don't stress about stuff does it matter that the powerball's shot up since i've been living back here is it? <laughs> yeah powerball water bill uh, food bill <laughs> food bill's the biggest one isn't it yeah 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 um so yeah it's um yeah i don't i don't know i took big big obviously took big lessons and i'm so grateful for all those people that literally saved my life um you know what and it was you know um People like that and Steph, the family, got me through it and got me back on track. And um, I remember getting back into coaching for the first time, and um, and that it, it helped me massively. I mean, I I approached everything differently. Even my coaching, a lot of the coaching philosophies were still there, but you know, really, you ha- if you really have the approach that it actually you know, like things you can't control. You can't control if you're going to win or lose the game. Yeah. You know, when you really understand that, just you, you learn so much out of every, every, every time you go to training, every game. You learn so much if you take that that attitude. Mm. You can control a lot of things that will help you win or lose a game, but you can't control the the big the the outcome. Yeah. So. um yeah, when you really fully understand that, and I try, you know, I try to push that on, on, on teams and players, and um, so now Rion Graham at at uh, five hundred and sixty six years old. What's his What's his definition of success? Uh, far out. Success for me is is um, and and life in general is living a happy life 
um, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, making sure you're enjoying yourself. Mm. That's success for me in terms of you know, living your life, you know, being with family and friends and um, yeah, being happy, being happy. Um, that that to me, that to me means means everything. In terms of in terms of sport and rugby and coaching, you know, success to me is um, is ultimate. Ultimately, it's winning. You you you, you know, you really want to win. You you really want to win. But but success to me is underpinned by. Um, seeing people seeing people get to their best the best they can be mm. so as a coach to me i i would really love to measure measure success by watching somebody grow into um the best they can be yeah because i i really think in a team environment if you can get everybody to do that the winning will come mm. and i really enjoy seeing people um um you know get the most out of themselves like really get the most out of themselves yeah. so so that they can not only perform as a sports person but be better um be be be, be a better person mm. you know that's what i really enjoy about coaching oh bro that's awesome like it's been um been pretty unreal to have you on today bro because i've um i actually went completely off script like i've got some stuff that is running down there that i didn't even touch on but <laughs> I think it was good because we got some good value out of you as well. <laughs> and um, you have an unreal story. So, bro, thank you for being on today. Like, I appreciate it. And, um, and yeah. Um, yeah, no, thank, thank, thank you. Um, obviously, it's easier for us to do this because you're, you're living here under the roof. But what I, what I do want to say is, is that what you and Riley, I've really been watching your, your journey. I know you guys are still in the early stages of the 19 thing I'm, I'm really proud of watching what you're doing at the moment and I'm, I'm really looking um you know I actually look look at you guys for inspiration sometimes and, and there's times where I might be feeling a little you know maybe a little bit down or a little bit sort of grumpy or whatever and I look look across the room and I look at what you're doing and and your attitude towards things at the moment is just uh, unreal so to both you and Riley, you know, I wish you guys all the best, all all the um, best success, um, and um, and in your future plans, because uh, I know you got big plans, <laughs> and I know you don't. Uh, you're like a Doberman; you're not going to let it go until you got it. So, <laughs> uh, just remember, just remember these years that you're living under my roof. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Pay us, pay us back some stage. <laughs> the power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, sweet. Yeah, nah, so yeah, all the best. I'm really enjoying what you guys are doing. Thanks, Vanna. Sweet, bro. Thank you.